Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the It Gets Worse podcast. Um, I hope everyone's doing okay. Um, it's now nearly Christmas, which is really exciting. I'm doing good. I'm actually supposed to leave to go to Paris in about two hours. So I'm kind of filming, I mean filming, recording this in like a little bit of a rush I've had a very hectic day. I was supposed to go to the gym this morning, but then turns out they're opening later now, which like <laughs> it didn't say that on their website, so that was really stressful. And then there was no point going because like as soon as they open, well, like after they open, they have school visits where they close down the showers and I won't be able to do my workout and have a shower if I did go. So there was just no point going. Um because I like to shower at the gym, <laughs> basically, yeah, that was stressful, and I'm still not fully packed either, my room's a complete mess, and I'm trying not to focus on it, yeah, so I'm actually going to Paris with my uncle, um, and I'm just going to be away from my mum and my sisters, which is kind of making me nervous, because I haven't really been away from them, um, yeah, But it's going to be really fun. Hopefully in the next podcast I'll be able to like do an update of how the trip went. Um, Anyway, enough about my hectic life at the moment. Um, Today we are covering the case of JonBenet Ramsey. And this is such an interesting case. It's, yeah, very intriguing. You'll see, it's actually crazy. Um... So let's just get into the case. So um, the Ramsey family um, was an affluent family who lived in Boulder, Colorado. Patsy Ramsey, the mother, um, was a pageant girl when she was younger. And in the medias, she's basically described as a pageant mother, like a crazy pageant mom puts her daughter in all of these pageants um which are kind of like I don't know kind of inappropriate for young girls to be doing I guess um and then John Ramsey the father his full name was John Bennett Ramsey and that's where John Bennet got her name they just put John and Bennett together and got John Bennet um, so John Ramsey was a multi-millionaire businessman. He was very successful. Um, and he actually had been married before he was married to Patsy. Um, but his first marriage ended in divorce in 1978. And he had three children with his first wife. Um, John Bonet also had a brother called Burke Ramsey, who was born in 1987. So he was three years older than her. So, John Bonet Ramsey, the youngest of the family, she was born on August 6th in 1990. She was just a six-year-old beauty queen. Um, she took part in all of these pageants and she was actually described as just having, like, a phenomenal stage presence and she was really, a really, like, um, gifted performer. She was born in Atlanta, Georgia, but um, her family lived in Boulder, Colorado. She was described as outgoing and enjoyed being the centre of attention. 
She won multiple titles in beauty pageants that her mother enjoyed doing with her. She was doted on by her parents completely and they gave her everything she ever wanted or needed. And a lot of people think that Patsy Ramsey, JonBenet's mother, basically put her in pageants to, like, live kind of through her daughter, which I bet a lot of mums who do things like that probably do. Like, I, I don't know. Because Patsy Ramsey used to be in pageants herself, but I think she kind of, like, got older and just... I don't know, had kids and her life just like went a different way, I guess. So now let's get into a timeline of the murder. So it's Christmas time, 1990. Oh no, wait, it's not 1990. It's 1996. Christmas time, 1996. On the 23rd of December, 1996, a 911 call is made from the Ramsey home. They were having a party and the police showed up and reported that it was just likely a call made by a drunk party guest. Um, It's not really that significant, but it is kind of weird that a 911 call was made from the home. So on the 25th of December 1996, the Ramsey family attended a Christmas party at their friend's house. And the party was hosted by Fleet White. Fleet is such a cool name, I think. Um, yeah, so John Bonet was up late at the party and she fell asleep in the car on the way home. John Ramsey carried her to her bed at around 10pm and this was the last time her parents saw her alive. On the 26th of December, at 12am, the family's neighbour, Scott Gibbons, remembers seeing a light on in the kitchen of the Ramsey home. I am so confused by, like, how kind of witnesses like this can remember that because I never, like, in the middle of the night, I never just look out my window to my neighbours' houses and, like, I never realise, like, what lights are on, what lights are off. So I don't know how he remembered that. And I don't know how accurate that can be. (laughs) Um... So at 2am, a neighbour, Melody Stanton, allegedly heard a scream. Her her husband later heard the sound of metal on concrete. Years later, Melody backtracked um, and said that she heard a scream probably a few days earlier and it actually wasn't the night of, or the early morning of the 26th, it might have been a few days later and perhaps she didn't even even hear one at all so we can't really rely on that but I think a few other neighbours also said they heard a scream at 5 30 a.m Patsy woke up and the family on the 26th was actually planning to go on a trip that day um I think cross country and she had a lot of preparation to do before going to the airport she had to like get everyone ready um I don't know maybe do some last minute packing. Um, so Patsy heads downstairs to make coffee and on the back staircase of the house, which was a spiral staircase, she found a note and it was a two page note addressed to Mr. Ramsey. It stated that John Bonnet had been kidnapped and was being held ransom. 
and the no the no in this case is honestly the most interesting part of the whole thing I'll read it out to you it's so bizarre so yeah I'll just read it out to you now Mr Ramsey listen carefully we are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction we respect your business but not the country that it serves at this time we have your daughter in our possession by the way I'm sorry if you just heard my dog he's being such a pain today Um, Yeah, so at this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed. And if you want to see, if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attache to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money, and hence earlier pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you not to provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is anyway marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if any are found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned, we are familiar with law enforcement, countermeasures, and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you get a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny, as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Victory SBTC. So I have a lot of, like, notes about the ransom note. (coughs) Whoa, I just, like, nearly tipped over everything on my desk, but it's fine. So, yeah, I'm going to just say, like, all of my notes on the ransom. All of my thoughts on the ransom note. So the CBS documentary about this case timed people rewriting the ransom note and it took around 20 minutes for them and those people already knew what they were writing. These, the kidnappers or whoever wrote the note probably didn't know what they were writing so it would have taken them longer. So which means that they would have had to sit down in the Ramsey's house and writing out this letter for like half an hour 
Um, and that's just so strange for a kidnapper to do that. Um, and the stationery was also from Patsy's stationery set. So we know that the kidnapper did write the letter in the home. And then the set was found exactly where it usually is. So the kidnapper would have had, had to like take the stationery set and then put it back where it was found. It's just so unusual. $118,000 was almost exactly the amount of money that John received as a bonus that year as well. So the kidnapper would have had to know that that, is, that was how much he received as a bonus. Also, they ignored the ransom notes instructions of not calling the police. And I think, I don't know what the, what you're supposed to do. I don't know what, I don't know if there's like official police kind of advice on what you're supposed to do. But I think it would be better to follow the ransom notes instructions. Another thing is they called themselves a small foreign faction. Why would they call themselves small and kind of make themselves seem small? They, surely they would want to make themselves seem like really big and powerful. They misspelled the word business, but spelled more complicated words correctly. So it seems like they were trying to make it seem like they weren't, like English wasn't their first language, but kind of messed it up a bit. Why only $118,000 as well? They imply that they have eyes on John everywhere and that would take a lot of people to kind of constantly watch the family. And that's a lot of people to pay. So even if it was like only four or five people, they'd only get $20,000 to $30,000 each, which... I don't think for someone who, like, takes someone for as ransom or, yeah, I don't think that's a lot of money to literally kidnap a child and, like, go through all that trouble. Uh, any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You'll also be denied her remains for a burial. Why would the kidnapper care if she had a proper burial? Because they stated that they don't even like John, so why would they care if his daughter has a proper burial or not? The note is also very overdramatic. There's no need for them to be so theatrical. The way that they said she dies is a reference to a Dirty Harry movie, um, and the... Ramsey's had a lot of, um, like, movie... What's the word? Memorabilia. I think that's the word. Not, I don't know. They had, like, movies, a lot of movies, I think, or a lot of posters of movies or something. So, yeah. Um... Also, the phrase, don't try to grow a brain, is from the movie Speed. The phrase, 100% chance, which they used, um, they said, you stand 100% chance of getting her back, is contradictory to itself and kind of, like, 
bad English because 100% and then chance doesn't really make sense. Not to me anyway. The note doesn't mention John Bennett by name or set out terms for the exchange of money for his daughter. It also threatens John to punish him and it doesn't seem like the person writing the letter had any intention of giving John Bennett back. Most people think that Patsy wrote the note. A handwriting analyst analysed the note and said it was possibly Patsy's, but definitely not John's handwriting. And handwriting analysts are very accurate because I was on the, the Netflix film about this case. Um, there was a woman on it who said that she had her handwriting analysed by a professional and basically this professional handwriting analyst was able to tell that she had an injury in her, I think her left ankle just from the just from her handwriting and then she confirmed she actually did have surgery on her ankle and it was crazy because like this handwriting analyst could tell so it, so yeah these tests are like very accurate. There was also maternal language throughout the note and Patsy also had a degree in journalism and she was very intelligent and she would have had like a wide range of vocabulary and the note uses phrases such as hence which like to me that <laughs> is quite that's very good English and I don't think a foreign person whose language whose first language isn't English would use the word hence also why would they go th the kidnapper go through all the trouble of writing a two-page ransom note when John Bonnet Ramsey was already dead so at 10 30 a.m oh no way I've skipped ahead we're not that far yet So at 5.52am, Patsy Ramsey calls the police and I'm going to play you the phone call. Obviously she was hysterical, she's just found this note and she's terrified, she doesn't know where her daughter is. Um, but also a lot of people think that this 911 call is kind of bizarre as well. 
So at the end of the call, there is a slight change of demeanour in Patsy because she probably thought she'd hung up the phone but didn't. And Kimberly Archuleta, the one who answered the call, said that she noticed a change in demeanour at the end and it sounded like she said, okay, we've called the police, what next? The call to the police was also enhanced and it kind of sounds like in the background you can hear some other voices and people think there's in total three voices in the call and that would be Patsy, Burke and John, the three people in the house. But Burke was supposedly asleep the entire time so if there really were three voices in the call then that's pretty damning evidence against the Ramses. So the police arrived at I think 5.59 and initially they found nothing in the house. They did searches and they didn't find anything in the house. At 10.30am, John disappeared for one hour, and he said he was just picking up the mail, but the Ramseys had a letterbox in their house. So, that's unusual. Very bizarre. He just disappeared for an hour. Also, I think in America, usually they have, like, mailboxes, which are usually just at the end of their garden, and it doesn't take you, like, an hour to walk to the end of your garden and back. So, that's, yeah, um, unusual. At 1pm, um, police suggested that John has a final search of the house, and he and his friend had one last search, and they ended up finding John Bonet's body in a room in the basement. She had a garrote tied around her neck, which was actually made out of a paintbrush from her art set. She had duct tape on her mouth. Her hands were tied behind her head over her jumper. But they they were tied, yeah, over her jumper, so it would have been easy for her to escape, which kind of suggests a cover-up. John picked her up, and she was wrapped in a blanket and carried her upstairs and put her on the living room floor, which is a huge contamination of evidence. He moved the body from the crime scene. So many people had been walking through the house. The Ramses invited friends and family over for support, and only John Bonet's bedroom was cornered off, but it should have been the whole house, even if it was just a kidnapping It was still a crime scene and they should have not let anyone enter because the crime scene was hugely contaminated and if the police did their job properly, then we might know who killed John Bonet Ramsey. But yeah, there was just so much contamination of evidence that DNA evidence and stuff wasn't really a help. So let's look at the DNA evidence. There was traces of two males and one female under her fingernails, but it was too badly degraded to tell what 
type of tissue it was, such as, like, they couldn't tell if it was blood or skin or anything. They found DNA from a male on her leggings in her underwear. On, no, on her leggings and in her underwear, yeah. On the duct tape, they found fibre fiber from Patsy's jumper. And actually, the DNA from the male on her leggings and in her underwear, a lot of people think that could have just been from the factory that the clothes were made in and she wore the pyjamas and stuff and then they just didn't wash it and there's still DNA from the factory. But I think that's been disproven. So, yeah, because I don't see how that could, like, happen. So... Ramsey's hired a lawyer two hours after the body was discovered. They were also extremely uncooperative with police. However, they did do TV interviews. They didn't do interviews with the police, though, until a few weeks after the murder. So they did TV interviews, but they didn't do police interviews. Kind of makes me think, like, they were just trying to, like, put on this facade for the public so that everyone knew they were innocent, but they weren't interested in doing police interviews to find out who, to actually help the case and to actually find out who helped their daughter. So now let's look at the autopsy. So John Bonet died from asphyxiation, from strangulation, from the gra around her neck. She also had blunt force trauma, to her head and she was hit so hard that it was the equivalent to falling from a three-story building. She was sexually assaulted with a paintbrush so badly that it caused bleeding and there actually is more about how she was sexually assaulted Um, but I don't want to include it because it's quite upsetting but if you want to know like more about the autopsy in detail, then just go and find it online. It's, I don't think it's that hard to find. She had undigested pineapple in her stomach. She also had what looks like a taser mark on her neck. The marks were just two little dots, but they actually didn't match up to a taser. They matched up to a train set that Burke had, and people believe that the train was used to prod her. She was also found in the train room in the basement, I believe, so um, it seems that, like, a toy train, I think, like, an electrical sort of train, like, ones with the remotes, was used to um, hurt her, which is upsetting as well. So now let's talk about all the theories. There is one theory that John Bonet Ramsey is Katy Perry, but I just don't believe that at all. It's kind of crazy to me. Another suspect was um, called Michael Helgoth, and he was an electrician. He worked in a salvage yard near to the Ramsey home, and he was apparently tied to an alleged property dispute with the Ramseys. Um, and he might have kidnapped and killed John Bonet as revenge. Um, but he actually committed suicide before 
before any police investigation could take place. And Helgoth was actually cleared by DNA evidence as well. I don't think they found any of his DNA on John Bonnet or anything. So the next um, theory that I have, or the next suspect, is called John Mark Carr. And he confessed to killing John Bonnet. Yeah, so John Mark Carr had been facing child pornography charges in the US, so he fled to Thailand to avoid that. And there was a University of Boulder professor called Michael Tracy, and John Mark Carr reached out to him about a documentary that Tracy was making about the case of John Bonet. And he reached out to him in an email and they were exchanging emails. And then John Mark Carr kind of revealed that he had a, like a sexual fascination with John Bonet. Tracy then reported Carr to the police and he was arrested in Bangkok as a possible suspect in the murder. And then he was flown into Boulder for questioning, but DNA evidence failed to match him to the crime or failed to connect him to the crime. So it's likely that he didn't kill John Bonet. And I think he actually loved John Bonet. Um, I think he, yeah, he kept a diary and he recalls in one account strangling John Bonet in a love game gone wrong. And it's really messed up. Yeah, overall, he's just really messed up, but he didn't do it, basically. He just kind of confessed, I don't know, for attention or something. And the next one is that it was a random intruder who just saw John Bonet in a beauty pageant, became obsessed with her, and then decided to kill her. But it can't really have been a random intruder because there was no signs of forced entry and there was also there was a hole in the window of the basement but there was a cobweb in the hole which was undisturbed so a person can't have gone in through the basement so it can't have been someone random the next theory is that burke accidentally killed john bonnet so there was a bowl of pineapple left in the kitchen and John Bonet had pineapple still in her system when she died. So the theory goes that Burke was eating pineapple and John Bonet reaches into his bowl, grabs some pineapple. He gets angry with her and then he hits her over the head with a flashlight. It was this theory though doesn't explain the sexual assault. And would a nine-year-old also would a nine-year-old be able to hit someone that hard? Burke hit her with a golf club though a year earlier and left a scar on John Bonnet's face. So there is evidence that he was too rough with her before. 
Also, in a Dr. Phil interview that Burke did a couple of years ago, it looks like he's smirking, but I don't think he is actually smirking. I just think that he is, he feels kind of uncomfortable and awkward to be talking about it. There is also a lot of theories about how the parents might have done it and then covered it up, which are very believable. But I don't really have time to go into those. In my opinion, I think that the parents were probably involved because it's just there's so many bizarre and unusual things about this case that just do not make sense. And just the ransom note makes it seem like Patsy was involved and just everything. Like hiring a lawyer to hours after the body was found is just crazy yeah um so maybe the parents didn't do it but they were kind of still involved yeah so I'm gonna end the episode here because I have to get ready to go to Paris now but thank you everyone for listening and I hope to speak to you all next Wednesday Um, make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram it's just the it gets worse podcast on Instagram make sure to leave a review and a rating on this episode and yeah thanks for listening again bye